Christianity, essential to understanding who Jesus is, what his heart is, and, and what he's come to do. And so the way I want to phrase it this morning, we've, we've looked a bit of who Jesus is, and we'll continue to do that this morning. But just what I want to look at mainly is what he came to do, why he came. And that'll give us a better description of who he is. And then next week, Vesey is going to share on how we follow him. What the how looks like. Okay, so um, Father God, I, I know we've prayed before. I know, Lord Jesus, there's not a limit to talking to you. But Father, I pray right now that you would give me clarity, that your words would speak true, that your words, your scripture, that is holy, that is pure, would convict us. Lord Jesus, that it wouldn't be Yanku's opinion, Father God, that it would be your words piercing our hearts and convicting us this morning. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's dive right in. Um, and so we're going to read from verse 35. Um, and the verse that I will really want to focus on this morning is 45, but I want to give us some context. That's always good. And so we'll read from 35, and it says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. <laughs> and he said to them, Okay, what do you want me uh, to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to him, said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Uh, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with a baptism which I was baptized? And they said to him, yeah, we are able, not knowing what they're really saying. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink and the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So Jesus can't say, hey, yes, you can sit on my right hand, you can sit on my left hand. Um, it is only those that God has called that it is prepared for that, um, you know, that option is open. But, you know, they're just having this conversation with Jesus. And I want you to start noticing their hearts, what they're actually asking for him. Um, and then it says in verse, verse 41, it says, And when the ten heard it, so the other disciples, the other ten, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them and he said to them, so he's checking, these guys are now talking, you know, among themselves, like you guys are wanting to get closer to Jesus. You guys want to be his like close buddies. Um, let's, you know, they're arguing amongst each other probably, and Jesus knows what's going on. And he brings them together and he's like, okay, teaching moment. Okay. And Jesus called them and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. That's how the world rules. That's how the world thinks. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all and this is the beautiful scripture that i want to focus on for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many 
So if you've got a highlighter, highlight that. If you've got a pen, underline it, star it, uh, memorize it. This verse is probably one of the most powerful verses, one of my favorite verses in the whole Scripture. It is so different. It is so upside down to how we think. It is so powerful. And this morning, I want to unpack this verse so that we can learn why Jesus came, what He came to do, so that we can understand that Jesus, I'm living here, but you are way there. You're on the other side. I want to get there. And next week we're like, okay, this is how we get there. So just five things um, that I feel we can uh, learn from this scripture, verse 45, and I want to personalize it to us. Okay. So the first thing is that Jesus came to suffer like you and like me. And in that verse, we find the words, uh, and if you've got your Bible, just keep it open there at verse 45 the whole time. It says, for even the Son of Man, the Son of Man. And let that sink in. Jesus was man. I think we, we sometimes forget that. We, we tend to want to separate Jesus from us. Yes, He was God, but He was also man. He went through everything that we go through. He had the same uh, urges. You know, he had the same struggles. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to go to the loo. He had to, he was man, fully man. Okay, we need to understand that. Um, and uh, like I was just thinking of songs that I think maybe aren't always biblical in a way. I was trying to think of worship songs where we maybe miss the fact that Jesus was man. And I was reminded of Christmas carols, okay? Some of these Christmas carols, I mean, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And I love that song. I love how it sounds. Um, But, you know, I don't have a baby, but I know babies cry a lot. Uh, I I know a baby in... Being born probably next to, uh, you know, some animals is not going to be silent. You know, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be hectic. It should be more like screaming nights or holy nights, uh, but not silent night. Jesus was a baby, a baby, okay, with human needs. Uh, how about this? Away in a manger, the cattle's the cattle are lowing, the, baby, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Are you serious? Like, uh, okay, I didn't think that's, uh, that's true. Uh, waking up next to like this cattle, just chilling there, like this baby's going to freak out, you know. Um, and so like we, we tend to mask the reality that Jesus was man. And what we can learn from that. And I think this is so important on a deeper level. You know, that, that think about the physical hurt that we experience. Think about the emotional hurt, the relational hurt that we experience in this world. Jesus came and experienced it just like us. J- Jesus is not distant from us this morning. Because he knows exactly, exactly. And I would argue even more He went through more pain than I probably will ever go through in my life. He experienced, you know, last week we read and we saw that when Jesus saw uh, the Israelites, he had compassion over them because he knew these guys are so lost. He had emotional hurt for the Israelites, for the people, you know. And so this morning I was just saying, you know, if you're hurting today, Jesus hurts. 
Are you broken? Jesus was broken. Are you tired this morning? Jesus was so tired. Do you ever feel let down? Jesus was a let down. Jesus grieved. Do you ever cry out because you feel like you just can't take it anymore? Jesus was full of sorrow, crying out to God in desperation. Jesus was man. We should stop here, really, because even just this is so glorious. But we need to go on because it gets even better. So the second thing I, I find in that scripture is that Jesus came to die instead of you. These are statements that we hear so often, but I don't know if we fully let it sink in. Um, last, yeah, last week we, we, we saw that Jesus said, I am, I am a shepherd that has come for my sheep to die for them. In verse 45 it says, I came to give my life. I am a servant that came to give my life. Jesus was born to die. It's hectic. Uh, if you can just turn back in your Bible to chapters uh, 30, uh, 8, chapters 8, um, verse 31, chapter 8, verse 31. And uh, context again is that Jesus' mark is split up um, in the first half of, of, of the book of Mark. We find Jesus' ministry in Galilee where he, um, he's, he's, he's doing, uh, he's teaching, he's performing miracles and uh, he's preaching about the kingdom of God. That's the first half of Mark. And then it transitions into him journeying to Jerusalem. So he's on his way to Jerusalem uh, where he's going to be crucified. And on his way there, we, we hear him make statements like this in Mark 8, 31. He says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man will suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, he will rise again. Okay, then in Mark 9, 30, let's just flip a page or two. Mark 9, verse 30, um, it says uh, this, that Mark 9, verse 30, They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. And he continues that just before that passage we read in uh, Mark 10, 35, three, uh, three scriptures before that, he says the same thing to them. He's like, guys, I'm going to die a death for you. And these this is an amazing, amazing revelation that, you know, for many of us, death is unavoidable. You know, it is maybe something we dread or fear, but for Jesus, it was an unshakable purpose. Jesus came in the first place to die. He came to die. And that's, that's the difference between Jesus and most other religious leaders. You know, Jesus' story doesn't end at his death. The movement starts at his death. And it continues and it, it gains momentum and it grows. And centuries, two centuries, is just continuing to expand. And as churches are planted and the word is preached and the death of Jesus is celebrated, more people join. That's the difference. Jesus' life didn't end at his death. You know, most other religious leaders, Muhammad died at 62, that's it, dead. Okay, nothing 
changed after that. Okay, Confucius died at 72. Buddha at 80. Even Moses died at 120 years old. But the cross is a symbol of, of his death. That's what we celebrate. His death is something we celebrate. Jesus died instead of us. And that is something unique. That is something incredibly beautiful. And that we find in uh, that uh, verse that we're reading, uh, Mark 10, 45, it says that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom, as a ransom, which means instead of, in place of. Okay? Uh, Jesus came instead of us. You know, we, we, we know that sin, sin equals death. You know, as soon as sin entered the world, the consequence was death, physical death. But if we live in sin spiritually, we have eternal spiritual death, okay? But Jesus, Jesus came to change all of that. Everyone was spiritually dead if they were in sin. Jesus came. And this is the incredible news, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning. Each person has sinned against God. And God is, and is so, we are so separated from God through our sin. If you die separated from God, you will spend eternity separated from God. But the good news of the Bible is that Jesus came to die for you instead of you. You deserve to experience eternal spiritual death. You and I, that's what we deserve. But Jesus came to pay the price of death for you. And many of us can ask, well, actually, how is that possible? How, how could Jesus do that? What, you know, the, the reason is Jesus was fully man, like we saw in the first point. He was fully man. Okay? So he could stand physically in our place. And he was uh, spiritually perfect as well. And he was, he was fully man and fully God. And because of that, he was able to bear God's divine, infinite judgment on him. And Jesus is the perfect substitute for sinners. Okay, which means that when you put your faith in him and what he did on the cross, instead of you, you can be saved from that eternal death. Jesus died instead of you. That's beautiful. I mean, wow, we could just pause there, respond and go home. But there's more in this verse. The third thing. Jesus came to set you free from slavery and sin. Not to sin. I don't know why I typed that. Oh, typo. Please, please. <laughs> Jesus came to set you free from slavery and sin. That's not to sin. Okay, please. Uh, very important. Okay. Um, so Jesus came to set us free from slavery and sin. Okay. This morning... Jesus did it uh, in Mark uh, 10 verse 14. It says that he came as a ransom, which I referred to uh, earlier, and instead of. But it's also a term that they used in, sl in slavery, that this is a ransom that I'll pay for your freedom. Okay? Uh, here's the picture. You know, each one of us is slaves, a slave to sin. Each one of us is prone to sin. Even with Jesus, even when we know this is amazing truth, we are still going to be prone to sin. 
We're going to be in places where we, we struggle and we, we try and do it on our own. We, we have this hidden sin in our lives. Maybe it's, it's even guilt for things that you, that you should have let go years ago. Maybe it's something that you're hiding from the rest of your family, your wife, your kids. It's you. It's something that you're holding on. Oh, the struggle. I can never get rid of this. But Jesus has come to set us free, not just from uh, this, the condemnation that sin gives us, which is eternal death, but even right now, He has set us free from sin and slavery to sin. Okay. So that, that's why I put that. Okay. Christians uh, can be slaves to sin. But here's the good news. Jesus didn't just die so that you could be forgiven of sin's penalty. Jesus died so that you could be free from the power of sin to live the life God has created you to live. Jesus came to set you free from slavery to sin. There we go. That's good. Yeah, I got it. Okay, that's perfect. Well, I mean, both, you know, from slavery and sin. Yeah, I'll, I'll just stop stressing. It's fine. <laughs> it's biblical, yeah. Okay. So, and uh, just some verses that we encounter there in 1 John 4, verse 4. You don't have to turn there. It says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So, when you have accepted Jesus, when you're living with him inside of your heart, he is bigger than that what is in the world. You shouldn't be a slave to sin anymore. That is a lie that we believe. Let go of that. The hold that sin has on your life, you need to let go because Jesus has come to help you, set you free from that. In 1 John 5 uh, verse 4, it says, Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We have overcome the world when we believe in Jesus. When we're like, God, I believe that what you've done is enough. We are free from that sin. These are three reasons that I've picked up in one verse. Okay, we continue. Fourth one. Jesus came to show you how to love. And now the context is important if we're looking at one verse only. What is happening is, you know, the two disciples come to Jesus and are like, hey, Jesus, how, you know, please can we sit, be your right hand and your left hand man, you know, like, you know, when you're the big top dog, you know, later on in your ministry, which they didn't really understand properly. Um, they're like, hey, can we, we also be, you know, the main leaders, you know, because look at us. Um, and, and Jesus is saying, listen, for you to be at a place where you are leading others, you need to love. Who is greatest among you must first put his life down, must serve others, must be a slave to others. Jesus is saying, that's how you love in my kingdom. You don't lord your, lord your power over others. You see yourself as a slave to others. And that, that is radically different. That's a radically different style of leadership than what we are confronted with in this world. This world says, hey, if you've got authority, use it. Use that authority to get what you want. You know, you, and that's what Jesus is saying. That's what the Gentiles do. That's how they exercise power. That's how they lead with power. And Jesus says, no, you need to lead as a slave to those that you, that you are leading. And that's preposterous. That's completely upside down. You know, how does that even work? You know, surely that is, that is just crazy. You know, the kingdom of God is like that. And, and it leads me to really the, my last point 
which is really, it just excites me so much. And it's like the cherry on the top is like the pinnacle of this verse. And it says that Jesus came to be your servant. Jesus came to be your servant. Here, right now, in this life, Jesus has come to be your servant. He's come to serve. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And that word uh, in the original language of the New Testament, that word serve literally means to wait on. To wait on. It's like a waiter in a restaurant. Jesus has come to wait on you. He has come to serve you. Think about someone in a restaurant. Hey, uh, when the waiter comes, please, how, what, can I, what are you having tonight? Can I help you? Are you comfortable? Okay, cool. You know, let's go. And uh, we even see this word, the same Greek word, diaknos, is the word that they give to deacons in the early church. And the deacons were there because the apostles that were teaching the word were too busy. They were busy literally waitering the tables, making sure that when people eat, they clear up after them, bring them more food. And the apostles were getting so busy with doing these things, these serving, that they were being distracted from preaching the word of God, loving people, shepherding people. And they said, we need deacons, we need diakonos, we need people to wait on others. We need people to serve others at certain times. And Jesus is saying here, I have come to be that for you. Surely that is, that is lunacy. How can we say that Jesus has come to do that for us? No religious leader talks like that. No divine being comes down and serves his people. Every other religion we see, I mean, even in the movies, you think of it, when you've got a divine being, a godlike creature coming down, there is the people have to bow down and sacrifice and worship and try to approach their God. Our God is different. Our Jesus is different. He came to serve us. He came to die for us. Jesus is saying, in my relationship with you, I am the servant. I serve you. I wait on you. And that sounds blasphemous <laughs> to preach that. But it says it in Philippians 2. It says in Philippians 2 something similar. It says, Jesus, who though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And what the Bible doesn't mean right now about Jesus being our servant, he, he doesn't mean that God, you can ask Jesus for anything and he'll automatically do it, okay, like a waiter, <laughs> uh, hopefully sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing is that, that was, that's what J James and John were trying to do a couple of verses earlier in, in, jo in Mark 10. They were like, hey, Jesus, please can you do whatever we ask you to do? And he's like, okay, let's go. He's just playing around with them, you know. And 
that's not what Jesus is saying when he says, I've come to be your servant. You don't snap your finger and I listen and I you know, do anything for you. This doesn't mean that we don't serve Jesus as well. You know, Paul, various times in the New Testament, refers to him as a servant of Jesus, as a servant of God. The disciples, in a sense, were servants, you know, of, of, of Jesus. But following what Jesus says here in Mark 10, I want to I wanna say that this is so essential to Christianity. If we don't understand that Jesus has come to serve us, this is the very essence of Christianity. He has come to serve us. But I'm convinced that so many of us miss this. That, you know, if you think about how we got saved, and this is probably, you know, how I just want to conclude this message. And that doesn't mean I'm just going to end it right here. Um, you know, pastoring us to the end. Um, but if you think about how we receive our salvation, in context to this statement, nothing I do, no good deeds that I do, me reading my Bible as much as I want to, coming to churches as much as I can, praying, being a good moral person can save me. Nothing. It is only when we let Jesus, Jesus' goodness, serve us that we can be saved. So, God, I profess my faith in you and let you serve me by giving me righteousness, by making me right with God, by giving me eternal life. I can't do anything. I can only say I believe that that is enough. That is, that is letting Jesus serve us. But then I think what happens so often, and I would say with probably the majority of us will come in and out of this mindset, is that we believe that all of the sudden, after we've believed, after our conversion, that now it's like, okay, I'll serve Jesus now. It's all one-way traffic. Now I'm serving Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. But it's like a newborn baby. Maybe a good illustration to come back to. You can't, a newborn baby can't say, okay, thanks for giving birth to me, but I'll be fine now. Cheers. Um, I've got plans. Uh, I've got dreams. Uh, I'm not going to make my own life, you know. It's just not possible. It's, it's crazy to think like that. Baby needs to its whole survival is dependent on its parents serving it. You know, him or her. That's just how it works. And as Christians, we need to allow God to serve us daily. If you think about it, when we pray, what are we asking? God, you are good. You are great. But God, help me be, serve you better. You know, even when we've got good, honorable questions we ask God to help us request it's still God may you serve me may you help me you know love you better uh, when we pray for our friends God may you bless them may you heal them God may your power may your spirit come and heal them because I can't and it says as God may you serve them God it says I've come to serve you and you know Cassandra and I will often get to a place where we're saying, God, in our marriage, 
we can't do this. All of it. It's not going to be perfect if we just do it on our own. We need you. God, please come and help us. That is God serving us. And we need to allow and realize that as much as we can't come to salvation by ourselves, we can't serve and walk this life without letting Jesus and allowing him in to serve us. And he's going to challenge us when he does that. But we need to allow him. It says in Mark 10 verse 15, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. When we, we are like children compared to the everlasting God. It is hypocrisy. It is ludicrous. It is blasphemous for us to think that when we receive our salvation that we can do it all in our own strength now. Jesus, I need you. You came to serve me so that I can get salvation. But Jesus, serve me in a good way as I try to become more like you. As you sanctify me. As you make me more like you every single day. Hmm. Jesus came to serve you. And Jesus came to take all your sins and help you in your struggles. Think about it. In all your struggles with sin, Jesus right now, today, in this week, wants to serve you. In all your struggles with worry, Jesus wants to serve you. In all your struggles with anger, lust, envy, pride, selfishness, no matter what you're struggling with, Jesus, the one who has all power over sin, and all temptation is saying to you today, I came here to serve you. And this is the incredible news of the Bible. This is the good news of the gospel. That Jesus came to suffer like you. He came to die instead of you. He came to free you from slavery to sin and sin. He came to show you how to love. And he came to be your servant. So look to him. Love and worship him. In that way, every moment of your life, Jesus is your servant. Let me just pray for us. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father God, that we will allow you into the areas of our lives, Father God, where we need you. Where you, you know the answers. You know what we need to do. And you want to serve us in those areas. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that we would allow you, Father God, to serve us, but out of that have a glorious response of worship towards you. Father God, thankfulness overflowing from our hearts, praise from our lips, loving through our actions. Father God, obedient lives, Father God, when we understand that we are not doing this in our own strength, but the, the risen King, the Savior of all, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the resurrected Christ is with me every step of the day, willing to serve me where I, where I need help, where I ask for help. And Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that we would ask you, we would ask you into those areas where we are struggling. Jesus, you want to. And I pray that we would allow you. I pray that we would 
stop being proud and just allow you to be you and change our lives and lead us into what you have for us, the other side, walk into something new, something fresh, something more that we would mature, Lord. I thank you so much, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.